Last week we started a series called We Can't Stay Here, and if you missed it, we kind of went through some of the history of our church. We even showed pictures of what it looked like before anything was put in place, and if you missed that, uh, you won't be able to see the pictures, but you can listen on our SoundCloud, uh, download all that and listen. But uh, we're talking about the idea of we can't stay here. What does that mean? Uh, And we started off by saying that I believe that you don't graduate from faith. There's not like God calls you into something and says, hey, you know, I really want you to, to trust me in this and follow me in this. And I want you to believe with me in this. And then when you're obedient and you see God come through or you see victory in your life, you don't just stop and go like, all right, I did it. I did a faith thing. I have a faith badge now. Now I'm done like walking in faith. Now I'm done trusting God. I've just arrived. You're constantly called into places of advancement and trusting God. And the scripture even talks about it as going from glory to glory. It's not like, hey, you know, look, we started a church and, you know, it's working pretty good and we filled up the room and so we should just stay here. No, God calls us for more. And so as we all, you know, sort of stepped out of the boat and trusted God to even start the church, how much more now that we're together and there's a great group of us, how much more should we be coming together and saying, all right, God, what's next for us? We can't just stay here, a little country club of people. What's next? Because, I mean, you know, there's still great need out there, amen? So we said, hey, we, we just don't graduate. We got to continue to ask God to pull us into the deep. And we talked about how many cases in scripture, start all these great Bible stories, all these great things, they start with the inability to stay where they were. Noah couldn't just stay. The scripture said that he had the only righteous family. Essentially, he was doing a good job. Like he had a holy family, he had a righteous family. He raised his family right, but he couldn't stay there because God was sending a flood and he was going to wipe everybody out. And so uh, here he is. He said, he could have just said, hey, I'm doing a good job. I could stay here. I don't need to build a boat. I don't need to trust God. I've done good. But instead, he knew the voice of God for his life, and he was obedient to God. And so he built what he needed to build, and God led him to where he needed to be. Somebody say amen. But it all started with an inability to stay where he was. Often in Scripture, if you look at Moses or David or Esther, you look at all of these great stories in Bible, they have the inability to stay where they were, they had to trust God for something greater. And so we get excited when the preacher preaches and somebody says, God's going to give you exceedingly abundantly and God's going to take you to new levels. And we, we like all that stuff, but we like it if we can stay right where we're at. I want exceedingly abundantly. I want more. I want to go, oh, but I'd really like to stay where I'm at, where I'm comfortable. How many would agree that's what happened? You can talk back a little bit. I know you're cold, but <laughs> you can be with me a little bit. So, so we love to say, oh, all this stuff, we want more, but I'd really like to keep it in the way that essentially I can control it and keep it safe. But God calls you to, you can't stay where you are. So we talked about as a church, we can't stay where we are. We talked about the story where uh, Jesus, he's worked in people groups in all kinds of number. At one story, he had 120. Another story, he has people in the 70s. We know he had 12 disciples. But this story, he takes Peter, James, and John, and he takes them up the mountain, and he says, hey, guys, um, I'm going to show you something really cool. We're going to have this really great moment. So he takes them up the mountain, and what happens is Moses and Elijah sort of transform, and God shines bright uh, in front of them, and they have this whole holy thing And Peter says this, he's like, wow, he actually says this. You can find it in Matthew 17. He says, Lord, it is wonderful for us to be here. This move of God is so amazing. This thing is so great. It is wonderful for us to be here. He says, should we build tents or tabernacles or basically should we build dwelling places that we just stay here? 
Should we just stay here? And isn't it interesting in our lives, we do that same thing. God moves in our life or we go to a church that we really like and this thing is happening. And we say, oh, this is so wonderful. Why don't we all just stay here? Make it just a little great club and we could all be happy and we could wear merch and it would pill and we wouldn't care. And like, it'd just be so great if we could stay here. But the thing is about Peter's life is Jesus was like, no, you can't stay here because if you were to stay there, much of the, the New Testament miracles and the advancement of the glory of God that came through Peter never would have happened. The scripture where he says, no, you can't stay here because when you go down the mountain and you're back doing what you're doing, uh, there's going to be a time where you're going to walk up to this blind man and he's going to say, hey, you know, he's begging and you're going to say, silver and gold, I have none, but what I do have, I give to you, rise up and walk. And he performs a miracle, amen? Or later in scripture where he raises a woman from the dead or later in scripture where he begins to uh, share to a Gentile, Cornelius, about Jesus for the first time. All of these things would have been missed if he would have been a person who just stayed there. And I'm all about encounters and experiences with God where we get a goosebump and we feel comfortable and it's like, wow, it'd be wonderful if we could stay here. But God doesn't call us to stay. He calls us to go. All throughout scripture, go and be a disciple. Go, go, go. Because a church literally means we are the called out ones. That's what a church is, the called out one. I love this. This is great. I love you guys. I love this church. I love doing this on Sunday morning, but this isn't why we're here. We're called to go out and reach people and love people and make a difference in our communities. That's why we have people in Kids Hope. That's why we have people all outside of here doing different things. Why? Because we're called to be the called out ones. And it's simple. We make it into such a big deal, uh, like, oh, you know, I don't know how we could make a difference, I mean, you know, and all that. You got to go out and just love people. Uh, we got a lot of flack uh, when we did a frozen float. <laughs> so uh, how many of y'all saw our frozen float in the parades, right? We were in Holland and Zealand. And so we, we just took Anna and Elsa. So we took, we took Maddie and she lived, uh, she checked off her bucket list. She got to be Elsa and sing. And so we put her on the float. And so we went through Zealand and we went through Holland and, uh, we didn't bang tambourines and blow shofars and tell people if they don't get right, they're going to hell. And, you know, we, we just went out there and we, and we did frozen songs and we had this Olaf costume and we gave away candy, candy and we love people. And then guess what happened? The city called us this week and said, Hey, um, we're doing this thing this summer and, um, we're going to have all these kids here and, uh, you know, it's this pirate and princess party and we'd really love it if vertical church would come and love on all these kids. The city called us and said, would the church come and be a part of our city event? Somebody say amen. And um, I, anyway, so, but we got emails. Where was Jesus on your float? It's like, well, he's in my heart. Where's he? I was there and he's in my heart. So <laughs> clearly he's not in yours. Uh, just so. So how do we do it? We can't stay here. We, we have to advance. We have to go out. And we got to do it in a way that we love people. We got to put people first. We have to be uh, concerned with the well-being of other people. And, uh, and so that's hard to do as a church because it's easy to talk Bible language. It's easy to, to, to sing the same songs that everybody knows and do all the things that give everybody the same thing. But, but we have to be conscious of others. And, uh, and so the, the, the interesting thing is we shared this last week too. Uh, my friend Kirk put this on his Facebook. Uh, he comes to the church. He shared this battleship picture. Uh, he said, what kind of church do you go to? This is what he shared. He said, is your church a battleship or is it a cruise ship? 
And what happens is as a church, we can get the mindset of, boy, this is going good. We should just make this a little resort. You know, it's fun and we can kind of all do the same thing. We can all eat at the same bar and have the same drinks and just have a good time. Or we can be a people who are missional minded. Let's go out and make sure we're eliminating darkness. Let's make sure we're going out and healing the hurting. Somebody say amen. And so we got to be a people who just can't stay here. God wants us, I said this last week, God wants us to be a stakeout church, not a campout church where we just camp out and enjoy each other. God wants us to be people going out there and staking out. What can we do? How can we help people? How can we make a difference? Uh, John chapter 15 talks about how this, and this is the message version as well, uh, which I just shared. I'll just go quick on it. So this is what I just shared at the tithing portion of it, is that God is saying, hey, do you want to love people at the highest level? Put your life on the line for them. If, you can't, if, if our concept here as a church is, hey, we can't stay here, how do we not stay here? How do we move from here? What's next? Well, what's next is us making moves as a church to be able to love more people, to be able to reach more people. Well, what does that mean? That means you've got to put your life on the line. That means you have to lay down a few things in your life in order to love people. Scripture says it this way too. This one says that there's no greater love. There's no greater kind of love than those who are willing to lay down their life for somebody else. Well, what does that mean for you? Well, it means for you that as we go to two services, which we're doing uh, March the 6th, we're going to uh, a 9 a.m. service and a 1045 service. And so that means that things are going to change for you. And that means you're going to have to lay some things down in your life that you're probably comfortable with and used to. That means that in the month of March, when you come here, your same old parking place might not be here anymore. <laughs> Somebody might have parked there. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I know it's an issue. Um, your seat that you're really comfortable sitting in, and this is none of you in this room, none of you sit in the same old seat, so it's none of you, and I'm, and I'm not getting against that, but you may come here, and your seat might be different. The hallways might be more jammed up. The coffee bar might be in a different location. I know it's getting serious in here. It's getting serious. We actually... We're actually going to open up another entrance over on this side of things so that families that have kids can come in this entrance and not have congestion. And those of you that don't have kids can come in another entrance where you don't have to run over kids. It's kind of a good idea. But you might be asked to come in a different door in March. Lay down your life for that, okay? Like, I, I'm joking, but it's just things that, like, there's going to be some stuff that we have to be conscious that, hey, things are going to change around here because we want to reach people and stuff's going to be different for you. And unfortunately, church data tells us that people leave. They get upset. I had to go in another entrance. They moved my coffee table. How am I ever going to hear from God with the coffee table moved? It's just not the same. You know, the pastor doesn't preach as good because I had to get the coffee over there. It's about you want to walk in the greatest kind of love be someone who lays down what I'm trying to say is your agendas for the sake of somebody else who needs it, for the sake of somebody who maybe is hurting and broken. You, think about this. Just, there's so many scenarios. But think about the wife whose husband doesn't come to church. And she's been praying and praying and for years and years and years, God, please have a breakthrough with my husband. I want, I want to go to church as a family for years packing up her kids and putting them in a car. And, a, and I'm not trying to jump on anybody, but let's say that mailer goes out and let's say they get that mailer. And the first time the husband's like, you know, what? I'm going to go with you. Let's do it. The girl uh, on that postcard looks pretty good. And uh, she's the pastor. I'm going to go see how pretty she is in person. And, uh, 
and figure out why she's with that guy. Uh, I'm exaggerating, you guys. It's Valentine's Day. I'm trying here. Just give me a thing. <laughs> so, hey, we're, I'm going to try. I'm going to go with you for the first time. And she's praying the whole way here. God, please let them welcome him. Let, let it, let it, because you know him. He's got his scorecard. He's just waiting for someone to be unfriendly. He's just waiting for this to happen or that to happen. Or maybe it's she. Maybe she doesn't go to church. And he's praying. praying. And what if he finally comes and he comes through the door and we're cold to him because we want to get to our seat or because we want to get to our coffee just right or because we want to get to this or that. And what if we miss it because we're so concerned with our own agenda instead of laying our love on the line, putting our life on the line, which is the best kind of love. Amen. So the scripture talks about the best that God, literally heaven, is moved towards the lost. Uh, we'll, we'll share it here in a minute. Uh, a lot of people do this. A lot of people talk about being Christ-like until we get to the part about laying down our lives and our agendas. We love to share the Bible study quotes and we love to do all the God's going to bless me club stuff. But when it gets to the Christ-like, I'm going to lay down my agenda for somebody else. That's where it gets tough. Amen. We have to be people who consider others. One thing I'm going to ask you to do when we get into March is uh, our nine o'clock service. We need as many of you as we can to come to that nine o'clock because our 1045 service is going to be uh, probably the more popular service. And so if you come to the 9 a.m., that service will have donut holes. <laughs> and that's literally just to bribe you <laughs> to come to the 9 a.m. And um, so we'll know who's bribed by food. And... Uh, but I'm, at, but I'm asking you as your pastor, will you please make room in the second service and, and come to the nine? Will you come to the nine and, uh, and support it and make sure it's full and make sure we're getting everything started out right? And, uh, and then that way we have room to greet people uh, in our second service. Will you consider laying your life on the line? And as it all spreads out over time, you know, it's all going to filter into place. But, but we need you in the start of everything. Man, fill up this nine o'clock so that we make room for others. Amen. I just saw some of you were writing on your thing, blasphemy, 9 a.m. The band was practicing, and I came down at like 9.06 this morning uh, from my office. I said to everybody, I said, hey, just so you know, in three weeks, this will be the middle of it. This will be like a service already at 9.00, whatever it was. So, But heaven's mindset is for the lost first. And some people hate that in church. No, it's about... It's about us being in the gloriness of God and in this heaven's mindset is for the lost. And we'll look at it here in scripture, but our church's mindset, it should be for those on the outside. Amen. Now, not the outside that like we exclude anybody, but those that need God, uh, we make a place for them. Matthew 18, 12 says this, says, what do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hillside and go look for the one that has wandered off. And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about the one than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, our father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. So it's like this. Our good shepherd is like, hey, the 99 church folk, the ones that are okay, the ones that can handle themselves on the hill, I'm good with, bless them, and, and they're doing great. And the, but when one is outside of where he should be in the things of God, when one is outside of the care of the shepherd, we're going to do all that it takes to go find that one. Somebody say amen. Why? Because we're all going to be okay. 
you guys are going to be okay on the hill. If we do some things around here where we keep the outsider kind of in mind first, where we're doing some things and we're prioritizing a few things to be able to reach some people, you guys are going to be okay. Somebody say amen. You're going to be able to take care of yourselves. And now listen, everybody's like, oh my gosh, here we go. We're going to get excluded. I'm not going to get fed. You guys know me better than that. You know me better than that. Uh, but it's your job as a spiritual one to feed yourself. Well, that was good. You guys were amen and real loud right there. That was good. I'm glad you really responded there because you get it. Um, but let's be real. The 99, you guys are going to be okay. But what we should be really concerned with is the one. Who's the hurting? Who's the one that's out there that needs God because they feel hopeless? And when they turn to TV or when they turn to their coworker and they turn to all these other things, they're not seeing hope. But this church could be a place that we seek and we pursue and we gather the ones and we bring them to healing. Amen? Yeah. I love this about this scripture. If you look at it in Matthew 18, it goes through these really big topics that God's handling, if you will. So in scripture, uh, right before it, it talks about, there's this conversation about who's the greatest in the kingdom. So they handle who's the greatest in the kingdom. And then they handle this whole topic of causing others to stumble, this really heavy thing. And then in there is this. The one, reaching the one. And then after this, it talks about how to deal with sin in church and in people's life. So all these huge, heavy topics. And then in here is the one. Why? Because it's super important to God that we have a mindset about reaching the one. Amen? You don't believe me? I'll prove it again. Sometimes God just has to put it in another chapter for us to see it again later. Luke chapter 15, verse 8. This is the NIV. NIV. It says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found the lost coin. I found the one. We made a difference. Somebody say amen. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents or who comes to the goodness of God. What's interesting about the scripture is it says this, doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? What did she do? She rearranged her house in order to find the lost one. What are we doing as a church? We're rearranging some things here so that we can find the one. Amen. We're going to move a service and we're going to change some things around and we're going to do all this kind of stuff. Why? Because we want to find the one. We want to make places for the one. Amen. And so help me in that. Help us in that in March. Be committed to this place. Be committed uh, as people come through. Help us rearrange some stuff so that we can reach more people. Heaven prefers we put the loss first. That's what we see in scripture. They rejoice. They throw parties when we reach the one. Church should prefer that we put the loss first. Amen? You guys are... Heaven throws parties when the lost are found. Heaven throws parties when the lost are found. I'll close with this. We should be a church that, yes, we're going to go after God. Yes, we're going to grow as believers. We're not watering anything down or compromising anything to make anything work for the law. We stay the same of who we are. We're staying the same of who we are. We're going after God. But we're going to throw parties when the lost are found. We're going to rearrange some things so that we can reach and love more. Amen? It's our whole motto. It's literally what we say. We're loving others toward God. Because that's what we're going to do. Build a place where we can love on others that they might receive God's love. Amen? So in closing, I want to show you this. This is what we did this week. It's a done deal. You can't talk me out of it. I'll put that map up there. This is our region, and it's hard to tell because a lot of you are looking for cities. But uh, there's basically blocks inside of all of our cities. 
And when we launched the church last time, we invited 52,000 homes to come be a part of this church. And uh, we, about 100 or more people stayed from that. And so this time we are inviting 83,000 homes and we're, inclu- yeah, yeah. we're including cities that we've never included before. So we have Hudsonville, we have Byron Center, we have Door, we have Hamilton, we have Allendale, uh, all included on top of our Holland, Zealand, and West Olive invites. What's amazing is they tell you in church planning, the first time you uh, start a church and you do this mail piece, uh, people come, but they're your worst services ever. You've never had services. We invited 52,000 people to come to a service that we've never done before. We didn't know how it worked or whatever. And now we're two years in and we got some things that are working and we feel good about all this stuff. And so we believe we're going to be able to keep more than that hundred. Not that it's about numbers, but it is about numbers because every number is a person and every person matters to God. And so we care. And so 80, here's what's crazy. 83,000 homes have been invited to come to our church through the month of March. What's awesome is March is also Easter. So we just believe that new life is going to happen. But check it out. 300, so 83,000 homes are going to be getting invited here. 332,000 people fill those homes. So don't think of 83,000 people have been invited because there's multiple people in those homes, it's about 332,000 people have been invited. When I tell you you're not gonna have parking, (laughs) I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. (laughs) But here's what's amazing. They say of those, about 100,000 of them are kids. What if we just see kids everywhere? Some of the best responses we got when we launched the church was, oh, or the ones I remember, because I care. People are like, we've been trying to find a church that my kids would love. We finally found it. I met with people. Uh, we have a family here. Uh, before we were church, they messaged us because they have special needs kids, and they couldn't find a place that would facilitate that and make it work and make it enjoy it. And so they called with these concerns. I said, absolutely, we're going to make it work. And we, we're excited about it. And we've made a place. And they are such an intricate part of our church now. They come through and we know their names and they know our names. And, we, and so there would be nothing more that blesses me than if 100,000 came through and, and, and just kids and just people that, that have testimonies like that. Like we couldn't find a place for them to plug in. And we get emails all the time, like, and they admit this. We weren't going to come to church. We were actually going to sleep anywhere, but our kids got us out of bed. We hear that all the time. How great would it be 100,000 kids if we could just fill the kids' rooms? But we need you to lay down your life in an act of love and lay down your preferences and help us serve. Help us make sure the kids' rooms are staffed. Help make sure that they're safe and they're secure and that they're full of fun and full of excitement. So in the hallway there, there's a spot out at our information booth. You can pick up a card and we'll get you plugged in. There's just some processes. You don't have to go through Bible school or anything, but we have some processes we put in place to help you get plugged in with us to make sure we reach kids, to make sure we're ready. So all of you on your way out over there at the information bar, get that card, fill it out. Let us know where you're going to serve in kids. Somebody say amen. Now everybody amen. Okay, you're all in, so we're good. I'll let them know. There's 170 people signed up. Good. Um, but here's the deal. Of those numbers that I shared, when we told people we were planting in West Michigan a church, they said, why West Michigan? There's a church on every corner. People joke with me that Grand Rapids, GR, uh, they call it Jerusalem, like GR, Jerusalem, like Jerusalem, because it's just such the holy land of churches. But Grand Rapids, this is our most recent data that we've got through all this polling. Grand Rapids, Michigan, is now the third most unchurched city in Michigan. It's the 37th most unchurched city in the nation. 
It's not a church on every corner. There's been so much economic growth in the last five years and all that, that the people that have come, it's not your traditional West Michigan, everybody goes to church. And if you don't believe me, if you were to drive around right now, there's more people in Myers and all the other places than there is in churches right now. We have a great harvest, but the scripture says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Let it be said about us that there's plenty of laborers to go get the harvest. Amen. How do we do that? We do that by prioritizing and laying down our agendas that we might seek and save and find the lost or the one. Amen. I love this. We have to make them a priority. If you were blessed by this church, why don't you turn and be a blessing to somebody else? Make sure they received what you received. I love this thought by Mother Teresa. A life not lived for others is not a life. If your church life is not lived for somebody else, you don't have a church life. That's another good amen spot. We have to live for others in every area of our life. I love this. The great use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast it, William James said. What kind of decisions can you make on a Sunday that will outlast just coming to church on a Sunday? Can you greet somebody when they come in the door? Can you serve in an area of ministry where they feel connected and loved? What if that guy who didn't come to church or that girl who didn't come to church, that woman, that family didn't come, but they hit the front door and they got a smile and they got led to kids ministry or they got led to coffee and this place was just so filled with love. Nobody's ever gonna leave here and be like, yeah, it was all right, but gosh, those people, they just loved us too much. We shouldn't go back there. It's just too friendly. I got just way too friendly of a vibe from them. No, like we should be a people full of love, amen? I thought about it like this. It's gonna have to be filled with prayer. The most important thing, the roof that we put on it is gonna be through our prayer. I thought about this. D.L. Moody said this, I'd rather be able to pray than be a great preacher. Jesus never taught his disciples how to preach, but only how to pray. So we say, oh, I believe those services are gonna fill up. Pastor Josh is preaching a couple good sermons and we're gonna fill up. No, I need you praying. We need to be praying. We need to be going after people with our words in prayer, amen? Lastly is this. One major change you're gonna see us make uh, in our services and in, in, in the hallways and stuff. You guys can go ahead and put this up. This is how serious I am about reaching people. That's a taser. And um, yeah, we're pretty serious. And if I see any of you in the month of March talking to each other, you're going to be tased. And so I'm just, I'll warn you every week, but the whole month of March, we're going to rearrange some things that we're conscious about the outsider. So if I see any of you talking to each other, or if you try to come talk to me, I'm gonna be out looking for the outside, someone who's new, because I wanna connect with them and love on them and make sure that this is a place that welcomes them. So everybody who has a volunteer lanyard, they have tasers. And um, it's gonna get really brutal around here for anybody. Listen, clearly I'm kidding, kind of. Um, Obviously, I want you to greet one another because we're family and we care about each other and we're not gonna just put that aside. But the most important thing you can do, the mailer will be a waste of money. Any changes we make to anything around here will be a waste if we aren't ready to love people. We love each other and, and we'll have time to be able to connect with each other. But the most important thing you can do is just reach people as they come through the door. Hey, have you seen the coffee? Oh, can I take you up to kids? Can I show you? And connect and love on people. And we don't need to be car salesmen, you know, like I don't want it to be over obnoxious, like come with me, you know, like, you know what I'm saying. 
but we got to love and reach people because that's what we're sent here to do. Seek and save the lost. Us, the 99 that's here, that's connected, we'll be okay. But we got to go after the one that has wandered. Somebody say amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to drop the lights at this time, and I want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer um, that has a lot to do with what we talked about. So if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes, I believe that God in the scripture says it too, that, that he ordains your steps. He puts you in places. Um, you just don't randomly show up in places. And so today you're here, and I believe it's because God has a plan for your life today. And here we've been spending a lot of time talking about somebody who may be lost or maybe have wandered off or somebody who's not connected to the shepherd, if you will, let me say that. But God, somebody who's wandered away from God, somebody who, who's like, man, I need to make a connection. I need to get back. If that's you here today, we do this thing around here. We give everybody the opportunity to pray a sinner's prayer or the prayer of salvation, some call it. You don't have to come forward. You don't, you know, you don't have to pray out loud all by yourself with everybody looking at you. What we'll do is everybody keeps their heads bowed, their eyes closed. But if that's you, when I count to three, I just have you slip up your hand. And then I lead you through that sinner's prayer. And the cool thing is we all say it together at the same time. But the scripture says, if you believe it in your heart and you acknowledge Jesus as Lord of your life and you ask forgiveness of sins, that you're on your way to heaven. You're a Christian, you're a believer. You say, well, may I prayed that a long time ago. Uh, you can recommit your life this morning to God and you can be no longer wandering. You can be, and just like we shared, heaven throws a party when people do that. Heaven throws a party when you reconnect with your savior or make a commitment for that. So when nobody looking around, you say, yeah, include me in that prayer. I wanna be a part of that. Again, we're not gonna embarrass you. We're not gonna call you out. All of us will pray the prayer at the same time. What I'm asking you to do is just be bold. And when I count to three, raise your hand so that I can see it and that we can pray for uh, me, you and God, we can pray. So if that's you in here and you say, yeah, count me in that. I don't want to wander anymore. I want to make a commitment. That's you on three. Raise your hand. One, two, three. I see that. Anybody else? See your hand, your hand. Anybody else? Yeah, jump in. You got that tugging. Maybe your heart's beating. You just kind of know like, ah, he's talking to me, but I don't want to raise my hand. Just do it. Take that step. I talked about it earlier. In the presence of God, that fullness of joy, God can step into your life and replace that void that you've been trying to fill somewhere else. I know that sounds church cliche and all that, but I dare you to give it a shot. Don't look at what you believe about maybe Christians you've seen or stuff you've seen. Give God a shot in your life. So if that's you, put your hand up if you didn't already. And you say, count me in. Cool. Let's all pray this together. And no, you're praying a prayer that changes your eternity. Let's pray this. Say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Help me to walk with you all the days of my life. Forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen.